You're listening to episode two of the Products Boss podcast. In this episode, Jacqueline interviews me, Mina, on my entrepreneur journey and how I came to own my product-based business, Low Labels. Welcome to the Product Boss podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlo-Sita, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. And introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder. She has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, everyone. Jacqueline here, and I want to introduce you to my biz bestie and your host of The Product Boss, Mina Kunlo-Zitep. Hey, Mina. Hey there, everyone. Um, So as the other half of The Product Boss's dynamic duo... Uh, Mina is an Amazon expert and a huge business nerd. And Mina's dubbed herself as a business nerd. It's not me. <laughs> and, it's, <laughs> and it's because she has told me that if she's going to do something, she's going to know everything there is to know about it, which is why she's been so successful on Amazon. I mean it. This is actually how I found Mina because I was told that she's an Amazon expert. This woman decided to research and study how she could grow her business through the Amazon site, and she did. And just to brag for a minute, her company is a multi six figure business, a product based business. And speaking of her business, she is a creator and owner of Little Labels. Little Labels are writable waterproof labels that you use on baby bottles, water bottles, lunch boxes, and pretty much anything that needs to go through a dishwasher that needs to have your kid's name on it. And she didn't stop there, she also created Little Labels for clothes washable, no iron labels that you can write your kids or your husband's name on so they don't get lost at school. Oh, Mina, you would be so embarrassed or I'm embarrassed. The Sharpie I have used to label my kids' clothes before finding your product is a little bit embarrassing, especially since I'm a fabric or I'm a fashion designer. Um, So when I met Mina... I don't know if I've told you this. Um, I actually knew her product way before I knew her. I owned Little Labels for a couple of years. And so when I met her, it was sort of like meeting the artist of a painting you've owned and looked at for years. I totally geeked out. Did you know that? No, I did not. <laughs> it's kind of like meeting Angelina <laughs> Jolie, I think, a little bit. Yes. People mistake me for her all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and you were mentioned on podcasts that I listened to. And so I felt like I was meeting a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Mina's like, oh, Jacqueline. Um, (laughs) Mina's a self-dubbed homebody. And that is probably why she's my business bestie. Because honestly, I think we get a little too excited about our businesses and ideas. Um, Some people like to travel to wine country to taste wines. Some people go to Disneyland. Mina and I literally talk multiple times a day and have flown to meet each other to work on our businesses. And we get so psyched and pumped when we create together. Um, She's also a super inspirational mama to her little girl, Suri and Layla. She's raising each one of those to be a boss in her own way. Okay, friend, are you ready to do this? Yes, I am ready. Awesome. Okay, so Mina, where did your creative journey begin? 
Well, I never expected to be on a creative journey. When I was growing up, I really was, you know, pushed into books and I loved books. Like I took comfort in being able to learn about books. My parents, my grandparents, they were, my grandparents were very involved in our lives. And um, my grandma actually lived with us and we were taught not to use our imagination, quite honestly. Like uh, we didn't do pretend play. We didn't do we didn't even play outside really like most normal kids. We just, um, we watched a lot of TV and we read a lot of books. And so all of it was, you know, a traditional Asian household where they really want you to be invested in school. And that was really what I did. I grew up on books. And then when I went to college, I went to school for advertising and I really, um, do you remember the movie Boomerang? That was like the ad agency and everything. So I thought I was going to end up in an ad agency like Boomerang. It was so glamorous. And I was going to be behind the scenes coming up with ideas. And I ended up at like a mom and pop shop wedding place that they did wedding brochures. And I started doing graphic design. So I started... I self-taught myself graphic design and that back then it was Quark Express. And right now it's, um, it's InDesign. So they basically Apple had re or not Apple Adobe rebranded it since then. And, um, so I started doing that for the mom and pop shop. And then, um, that's where I started doing graphic design, which I didn't ever intend to be a graphic designer. And, um, then it just kind of became part of my journey and it's ended up being like one of the biggest strengths that I have for being an entrepreneur. And so um, that really was where I got all my creativity was as an adult and then also internally as, as a kid. That's amazing. So you built low or what did you do graphics? What was um, sort of your main print material? So anything, so it was wedding brochures. And then I was going to school for, or during that time I was there for four years. I went to get my MBA at night. So I was getting my MBA at night and I graduated after a few years. And I thought, what am I going to do with myself? Like I thought I was going to end up in an ad agency. Um, I w- at that time, um, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, even though I had my MBA. And so then I thought, you know what, I'm just going to start my own business because that husband and wife that I was working for, it was just, I was their only employee. So they would literally leave sometimes for three weeks on vacation and I would completely run the business for them. So I would be running the entire business, doing all the graphic design, handling all the clients. And they had originally hired me to be a project manager, but I ended up doing all the things. Um, and so they would leave. And then I thought, oh, well, I can really do this myself. So back in the day, that was when direct mail was really popular when, you know, it actually was really effective. So I sent out this mailing. I made brochures for myself and my branding back then was butterflies, believe it or not, really colorful butterflies. And, um, and I sent them out and I got my first client, which was a management or a commercial real estate management company out in Boston. They had never met me. They got my brochure in the mail and they called me up and they hired me to do all the, um, like business cards and everything for their, um, properties. And they had hundreds of employees in the, their property. So it was like the bellman and the, you know, the, fixer guy or the repairman or whatever. And so I started doing theirs and that was my first client. And I've since then never met them. And so they, um, restructured and everything. So obviously I'm not working for them anymore, but I worked for them for like eight years and we had never met each other and was, it was my first client. So I had a really 
big corporate client from the get-go from direct mail. And so, yeah, times are different back then. And then um, my sister started temping at a bank and she said, hey, they have a new um, creative director there. Um, He's looking for people to do overflow work for graphic design from their marketing company or for their marketing um, department. So he's interviewing people. So I actually interviewed with him and I landed my second um, client, which was a bank. And that was because I had that first client from the direct mail. And he was like, Oh, well she has this big client. She must know what she's doing. So then I had those two clients, you know, basically with no experience. That's incredible. Yeah, it was a lot. So then it was how I started off. And then, um, and then I just kept doing graphic design for, Six or seven years, I literally, I I knew it was a big deal that I had these big clients. So I would approach agencies and ask them to do work so they would hire me. And so I worked for two different agencies and I worked on brands like Electrolux, Michelin, everything. And I just would come in. They actually required me to be there. So then I would go into the agency, do the work, and then I would leave. And um, I made a really good living from it um, where my you know, even back then when I was only thinking of myself as a freelancer, I always had goals for myself. So my goal, since I was starting to have kids and everything was to make $60,000 a year, but work less than 30 hours a week. And so I'd hit that and then I would just be like, you know, go on about my day. And so then I would, um, I just started building it. I really didn't really think of it as a business or anything. And then when I was going to have my second daughter, so now we're all the way up into, 2015. So I had my, my first daughter in 2010 and I was working at agencies, had, you know, big corporate clients. I was working their annual reports, newsletters, everything. And so it was a lot of creative work. And then when I was going to have my second daughter, I basically had reached my burnout point by that point. So this was five years later, my kids are five years apart and, um, reached my burnout point, And I said to my husband, I cannot do any more creative work. And there was some transitioning in those agencies too. They were going to get rid of their freelancers. They had five freelancers. I was one of them. So I knew I had to make some sort of, sort of shift in my business. And the, the agency work was actually the easiest. So I knew I either had to pick up another big client or start working more hours creatively. And I did not want to do that. So when I said that to my husband, he said, hey, I'm listening to uh, Robert Kiyosaki, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He's the author. He's like, he's talking about Amazon and how it's going to change the world and blah, blah, blah. And so then he saw this program that teaches you, or this course that teaches you about Amazon. And he's like, you could do this actually, because you have all the graphic design background. So it was um, basically taking products from China, rebranding them. So it's called private labeling and then selling them on Amazon. So I started doing that because I knew that I had a timeline. I was going to have a baby in nine months, you know, and if you've ever met pregnant Mina, she is not pleasant to be around. Like she's pretty bossy and totally like I'm tenacious when I am pregnant. You know, I'm easygoing when I'm not pregnant, but when I'm pregnant, like I just, there's, I'm a different person. I can't not, I can't can't even handle myself, you know? And so um, I basically started doing the private labeling, but I didn't like how risky it was because I would have to wire the factories in China money from my bank. And we were talking, you know, thousands of dollars here. And I said to my husband that I wanted to come up with my own product. And so the products that I came up with was waterproof labels. And that's because when we were, when we had our first daughter, Suri, 
um, five years before, we were using masking tape and um, to label the bottles. Because for every day for daycare, you have to label the bottles with the na- your child's name. And so then I said, hey, you know, um, I want to make my own product. And then I was just kind of keeping my eye out for things I would want to create. create. And so then I started getting ready for sorry to go to daycare or not sorry, Layla to go to daycare. And I thought, what the heck? Nobody has fixed this problem yet. And that was seriously my light bulb moment. And then I said it probably more mean than that um, because I was pregnant and very hormonal. And like I said, pregnant mean is not pleasant. And so um, I set off, you know, super pregnant by that time to figure it out. And I went through, like, I was on my 12th manufacturer trying to figure it out, but I had had um, commercial printing background because of the annual reports and things that I had done. So we did like really fancy things like magnetic closures, um, twine in between them, um, things like that, that really I knew how a commercial printer works. So I knew their specific adhesives. I knew their specific specific label material uh, materials. So I knew going in kind of where I wanted to end up. And it took me even to my 12th manufacturer to get them to see what I was trying to do. And so that's really where Low Labels was born. And it went super, super fast. And then um, when I put my product on Amazon was when my daughter was um, three months. So that took you about one year from concept through getting it on Amazon and selling. It did. And during that time, I was doing that private labeling stuff. So I was learning everything I could about Amazon by using that private labeling um, strategy and then figuring out like what works for ads, what works for listings, things like that. So then when I got my product up and running, you know, the labels, I literally you know, blew it out of the water because I already knew what I was doing from testing it out. And so that's what I did for the whole entire year. And then after that, at the, so that was in July. And then at the end of that year, I quit doing private labeling altogether because I just didn't feel comfortable with the risk that that um, brought. Right. But you learned through that as well, which yes. is amazing. So right. Mina, how old were you when you decided to sort of, one, start your graphic business and then when you decided to launch Little Labels? I was 23 when I decided to uh, launch my graphic design business. And I didn't, wouldn't even say it was launching. Like it was, it's funny back then, I was literally just like, hmm, what jobs can I get? And I wasn't even seeing it as a side hustle, really. It was just literally, you know, picking up jobs here and there and making income, you know? And it's not like now where there's actual launching of a business, you know? Right. And then um, when I launched Little Labels, it was in 2015. So I was, how old am I? I got to do the math really quick. I was 35. So that was 12 years apart. Right. But you were an entrepreneur and just figuring things out as you went from 23. Uh-huh. I was. Um, it was, you know, it fit my personality because I loved being at home. I loved working at home, being creative, and then working with clients, but I didn't like being in that corporate setting. And so it kind of chose me, honestly. And then um, I just happened, you know how timing is everything. Like print media was really big. Direct mail was really big. Um the economy started doing really badly in 2008. So a lot of people were let go. And by that time I had clients. So then the idea of hiring a freelancer was like 
no big deal at that point. So then I would pick up clients. I even worked, I had a casino and I had a big um, car dealership as my clients for a point. So I really was, you know, once I got that one big client, they were like, Hey, you know, let's hire this girl. And I was just like a one person in my bedroom, you know, with my dog. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it takes a lot of courage to not go the traditional route and to sort of just put it out there. And I think that's probably why you've been so successful. But what you were saying earlier was you were brought up to basically study, 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 read books. I mean, you got your MBA. So what did your parents think about you starting your own business or businesses? Um, they didn't think anything because they did not know. I kept it a secret <laughs> and it just happened. Um, I did not tell them any of it. Um, they knew I was I mean, they probably thought I was working somewhere for the entire time. And then um, when I said I was working at home, they, I think they thought that I was working at home for a company. They didn't realize that that company was my own company. So for the longest time until I was making income from it, they just thought, oh, she's just, you know, that's her work. And I mean, for the longest time when people would ask what I did, my mom would say I worked on computers, you know, so really um, it was... um, I didn't really outright tell them. It just, it was one of those things where, and then, you know, entrepreneurialism in, in Asian people is, is, I think it's almost um, in our blood a little bit because of the hustle is built in, you know, coming to America, the American dream, um, having this struggle, trying to prove your name and everything like that. So I think that once I didn't go the route of being a doctor or a lawyer or being in a corporation, they were like, oh, you know, hopefully she marries, she marries one. <laughs> and I did. So. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, we're both, we were talking about this yesterday, but we're actually both first generation Americans. Yeah. And I I mean, we know a ton of Americans, (laughs) like (laughs) long-term Americans that are entrepreneurs as well. But I think there is something about being able to reinvent yourself and make yourself in a new place, a new country, basically being able to start again. And maybe there's less fear there based on the way we were raised. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they parents really put the pressure on you when you're first generation because you're really building um, what's to come for the next generations, I feel like. I don't know that that's all parents, and we'll talk about me in another episode, but I think you were saying maybe your Asian background where yes. um, for the next generation, because honestly, if, well, my parents were both very different culturally, but it was really my own internal drive. And I think a lot of times entrepreneurs do, you have to have that internal drive because you have to stay up till three in the morning and you have to get up at 6 a.m. and you need to just get things done and you want to because it sort of sets you on fire. Yeah, and you have to be okay with failure. I think that's built into immigrants too is that they're okay with failing because they've been in the worst of situations Mm -hmm. and um, they've had to adjust. You know, my parents came over and they didn't even speak any English. And, um, and same with my grandpa. The reason why we were brought over was because my grandpa spoke French. He, he fought for the French and then he spoke French and the lady at the church spoke French too. So that's how they communicated was, you know, through French. And it's just um, incredible where you end up. Right. You know, so amazing. Um, Okay. So here's a fun question. I was thinking about this yesterday, Um, but where and when do you come up with some of your 
best ideas? Like, you know, is it in the shower while singing in the morning? No, <laughs> I hate singing in the shower, um, which is so funny because I'm not a morning person at all. My husband is, and he's a singer. And <laughs> I remember like the times being pregnant and it'd be like, I told you no singing in the morning. <laughs> There's nothing like a pregnant woman. And then I'm thinking a pregnant entrepreneurial woman who's like got a time limit. You're like, I'm going to get this done before this baby comes and gets in the way of the business that I want to run. Yeah. And this is a big tip too, for when you want to come up with ideas. I read this one article and it was so helpful about when you want to get your best ideas and physiologically our bodies rest and think better when we're laying down and that's creatively or they even tested people that were doing like math problems and so complex math problems they were able to get them quicker when they were actually laying down there's something physiologically about it where your mind is at rest your body is at rest and you can just build the ideas better that's so literally um, i will lay down <laughs> well so you'll just kind of get into bed or what will you do you'll just lay down to think I lay down and think and I just let my mind um, just roll over the ideas. So I take it to like a lot of times it's, you know, if I'm going over ROI. So I come up with an idea and I think, what type of money do I have to put into it? How much effort, how much time, then where will it end up? And then I work backwards and then I come up with ideas and I break them down. And then I put them into, um, I used to put them into a notebook until my daughter's were obsessed with notebooks and would not let me even hold a pen or notebook around them because they would want to do it. So now I use this one app called paperless light on my um, iPhone and it's just a checklist app and, but you can toggle the things back and forth. So like I would build out, you know, modules if you'll, if you know, if you will, like basically this, this, this steps, and then I would break them down and then I would be able to move them in category or move them in um, sequences to make it how I wanted it. So then like, let's say I came up with a Instagram strategy, then I would actually be able to do it by time frame because I can move everything around according to that, um, that app. So in a row, how I wanted it to be. So I discovered the app. It's super simple. It's free. Um, and so that's how I do it. I literally break down my ideas um, into my iPhone and it's not as effective as brainstorming on paper, but you know, you just have to make it work when you have kids that take over. Yes. Yeah. I and decided my daughter's like a cat, you know, when cats want to just stand on the papers that you're working on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So like, for instance, I bought myself a giant calendar and I had to buy one for my daughters too. So basically buy duplicates of everything that I have so they can have a version for themselves. So if I'm putting a big calendar on the wall, they have to have their own section. Otherwise they will just want to be online. Um, okay. So let's back up for a minute. I don't know that we've told people, but your husband is your partner in Little Labels. So Tell us about working with your husband as your partner and if you've ever worked with any other family members. Uh, yeah, he is. He is um, the inventory person. He does all the back-end stuff, actually. So he started working part-time for me, and now he's going to be going full-time. And so he does all the back-end stuff, like the accounting, the inventory. Um, and then I do all the front-end stuff, which is the marketing, the strategy. And we have very separate roles. He does a lot of packing and sending to Amazon. And then we just, um, and then he also looks at the reports on Amazon and then kind of talks to me about them. Basically, a lot of data stuff that I don't 
care or want to know about besides when he interprets it uh, for me. And then I can say, hey, this is what we should do. I do work with other family members. And honestly, if I could, I would hire every single family member that I have. Like I love, I know people tell you not to do it, but I love it. Like I'm really close with my sisters. And if I could, I would build entire business that employed all my sisters and then my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law too. So my sister, um, her husband helps me pack. He's a packer. And so he does fulfillment stuff where um, he puts the labels in the package and then there's, you know, she's kind of the quality control person. My sister is, she's an accountant in real life and he's a stay at home dad. So helps them with extra money. He's like my W9 miscellaneous employee. And then my other sister, she was doing that in her free time too, but she has since not, um, she's getting into real estate. So she's not doing it for me anymore. But like I said, I would just like, you know, all of them to work for me some way if I could. I love it actually. That is so neat. I mean, there's a lot of people out there thinking like, oh no, I could never. Uh, The dynamic you have with your own family and whether it's the right move for you or not. My parents always say that they're going to retire and move to where I live. And so I've even built into my future plan how they could work for me, but not really work for me because I could not have my mom working for me. Honestly, she would drive me crazy. But (laughs) I think that the way that I'm going to fold her into the business is that she would be um, the cook. So while my sisters and I work and my husband and, you know, whoever else, their husbands, (laughs) um, she would cook us breakfast and lunch and then, you know, and then dinner for the kids because like, I love the food that my mom makes. And then also I hate making the decisions for dinner time. Like every single day I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish somebody could just take care of dinner for me for my kids. Not because I don't love to cook, but I'm like, my brain is spent by the end of the day. And so it's something that she loves to do and something that I love her to do and something I can like outsource. So I would just pay her to do that. So I've come up with everything quite honestly. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's something that you and I, through some of the entrepreneurial female women groups that we've been a part of, it's been how to get that home help, like how to balance work life, um, being an entrepreneur, the hours that takes, and also being a mom and sort of, you know, doing the, I guess you could say traditional roles of being there for your family, like having dinner ready. Um, So that would be excellent because your mom, I'm sure, loves to be with your family and you know, that little bit of extra help and it keeps everyone together. Yeah, for sure. And on top of it, she, um, isn't, you know, in my business, but at the same time, she's definitely helping to support it, you know? So it just gives her some purpose too. And then she's, she's an amazing cook. So it's just, it all works out. So I haven't told her this plan. Obviously I plan for everybody <laughs> without consulting <laughs> Then she, then she will actually know what kind of business you do. And she's like, why are there millions and millions of labels everywhere? I know, I know. And um, she kind of understands it now because she's seen the labels, but she probably would try to organize them her own way if she really was like in the business, you know, she just only sees them when they come to visit, you know? So it's not like she's going to turn the business upside down. But yeah, if she was actually living where I live, I don't even know. Like the woman, she would, you know, take it upon herself to, I'm sure, improve my business. You would be like one of those corporate companies where they have those amazing cafeterias with, you know, (laughs) latte machines and beers on tap and workout classes. It's all through (laughs) mama. Yep. And daycare. And my dad's going to be a chauffeur for our kids. 
because by that time they'll be a little bit older and they'll be in activities. So, <laughs> so when you're first starting out, you know, designing, manufacturing, and selling your products can feel completely overwhelming. So, and you know, we've talked about this, but oftentimes we feel like solopreneurs versus entrepreneurs, especially in the product realm, because there are so many people out there doing digital products, but very few of them are actually dealing with contractors and manufacturing and product development. Um, so we don't really have that community to support us or bounce ideas off of. And that's really the way that you and I found each other through these groups that we've been with. Um, so what would be one of your best actionable tips for a new product entrepreneur? I think it would be definitely to find other product entrepreneurs. When I was first starting, I it was just a different set of struggles. Um, I was overwhelmed when I first started. Like I said, it was in private labeling. So I was, it was a physical product that I was getting from China. I was overwhelmed by the amount of money that was and the risk it was on my family. And when you're service-based, I don't think you fully get like the amount of money that gets invested and then the, the risk that is. So I would say, you know, surround yourself with, the same like-minded people with entrepreneurs, but also try to surround yourself with product-based people too, because it makes such a difference. When, when I found you, for instance, it just like alleviated a lot of struggles that I had because I knew that somebody else was totally getting it and they have been there and they, you know, could just understand where it's coming from. So that's a really, a really big tip. Absolutely. That community. What was the one thing that you did that generated the greatest return on your investment? When I first started, actually it was 2016, they would allow uh, flash deals during Prime Day. And this is when Prime Day was just, you know, now it's a big deal, but a few years ago, they were just starting to, they made that day up. They basically made their Christmas up, you know? And so it actually, since then has generated more sales than even the Christmas season for Amazon. And so they would let sellers do flash deals. And so I did a flash deal on um, my product, which was Animal Friends baby bottle labels. And I sold over 700 units that day within four hours. So they give you like a four hour time slot and you have to sell at like 20% less than you normally do. And so I didn't make a great deal of money. I mean, I did, but the momentum that that gave me on Amazon really, really propelled me into even the entire year. So that's in July, prime days and always mid July. And it just kept my sales going really, really well because it boosted my rankings till basically Christmas season. And it was awesome. Yeah, getting that bump in the middle of the year is pretty incredible. Yeah, it goes to show you the power of Amazon. And since then, I have not, you have to be invited now to be, to do those flash deals. And I haven't been able to do it. I must not have made enough money for them, you know, during that time because they take 15%, right? And then you have to discount it too. And um, which, my husband's always like, why do you want that deal so bad? I'm like, because it's the momentum. Like it's not even really the amount of money, you know, even if we broke even the momentum is just the ROI. And that is, is, is what I'm going for. So Amazon, if you're listening, little labels. <laughs> yes. This July. And I mean, I sold 700, come on, you know? Yeah. And they're tight, they're small product and they're not a high price point. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, maybe they're just trying to diversify what they offer every And I think day. they probably want to sell, like have a heavier discount. So, you know, like you said, mine is a smaller um, price product. They probably want something that's like $45, you know, that sells for 20 that day or something. Yeah. They'll make more money. Yeah. 
Um, okay. So moving on to that, I mean, you are my productivity guru, really. Um, I look to you whenever I'm trying to schedule out my life, my day. You've introduced me to so many different tools. So what would be your number one productivity tool or technique that you could share with our listeners? Um, my favorite tool ever is loom, which is, we do this all the time back and forth with each other. But, um, for anybody who doesn't know what it is, it's a video Chrome extension. So you basically take a video of your screen and you're able to give changes back or go over anything. And it's just a short video and it's super easy. And the reason why I like that is because, with being a mom, you just don't have the time, honestly, to like type things out and write an email and you, you know, you just have to be really quick about it. And you're able just to make a quick video and, and say, here's the, where this is, here's where that is. I've even made videos for my husband to figure out how to do things on Amazon. So he knows where to look for things and he knows where, what I'm listing I'm talking about. And I just shoot it into his email and it's a quick, like, one minute email or or one minute video. And that's probably my favorite, but my tip would be use as many tools as you can. Like I probably use 50 tools and they're all super simple and they all do kind of like one purpose things. I use things specifically for Instagram, things specifically for Pinterest, and then I hire experts when I need to. So, and then they use the tools. So it's just, I'm tool crazy. You know, there's so many tools out there that was, that were never there when I first started as an entrepreneur. And I think the tools are fantastic because there's not very, there's not a really large or like huge learning curve. So really they're, they're almost like that plug and play idea where you put it on, you just know how to click and it, will start doing what it needs to do versus when you're training yourself in a new system to help your business, like a CRM system or um, an accounting system. And you really have to learn the ins and outs. So, okay. I want to get into some fun questions. So we just get to know you and I've got, it's kind of going to be a bunch of questions, rapid fire. So let's start. Um, What is your coffee order? Um, Straight up black coffee. And it took me literally a year to get over sugar and cream. Like I missed it so much. So <laughs> that's how I drink my coffee. Um, <laughs> Mina and I are the best of friends, but we are physically never together. So as we both have our coffee cups sipping, we're, we both needed our coffee before this call um, or this podcast, but we don't know what we're at, what are, what's actually in our coffee cup. So we're both drinking the same. So cheers. I know. Mina. So now when I bring you coffee, I know just black. same thing okay so what is the favorite thing on your desk right now um my favorite thing is let me see I'm looking around at my desk oh I have a little um so I'm tight um and I have this little um peg doll that I got from Etsy that I did for you know refuge uh it was a fundraiser for refugees and so I have a little tiny tight um little person and super cute and that's my favorite thing so cute. Maybe you could post a picture on Facebook. Yeah, it's it. adorable. It's like a little tiny, you know, peg doll with a little black bun and a, you know, a traditional tie down uh, garb. Awesome. Okay, finish the sentence. When I pick up my phone, I hmm. go to Instagram. Ooh. Um, okay, and then you wish you knew how to. I wish I knew how to whistle. I don't know how to whistle. <laughs> Nina, neither can I. You can't. Oh my God. We are a match made in heaven. I always thought it was because I wore braces for so long that my mouth never went into the right shape. 
funny. Um, It's better that we can't whistle. And I also can't wink. And so. Oh, I can only wink my right eye. I can't wink my left eye. So it's less wrinkles is what my mother-in-law just told me (laughs) around our mouth and our eyes. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. (laughs) That makes me Um, feel better. Right? (laughs) Um, What was the last show you binge watched? Oh, um, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I think it's called. It's on Amazon Video. And it's totally not a normal one that I would watch. I kind of watched it um, since you're Jewish. (laughs) (laughs) It's about a Jewish woman who's getting divorced and she uh, unintentionally becomes like a stand-up comedian. And even the fashion in there is beautiful because it's in the 40s. I think it's in the 40s. It's just, it was, it's so good. It's one of their first, it's Amazon's, you know, original series or they're coming out with more to kind of compete with Netflix. So, you know me, I'm a big supporter of Amazon. Totally. And we need Amazon to come up with a story about a woman that's Ty Dom. And then I will get to know more about your background. I know. And there, there was like some episodes about Hanukkah. So I, I was using that, you know, using that knowledge I felt just recently. Yeah. Cause this is being recorded at the end of 2017. So we just went right. through Hanukkah and Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that is, that's hilarious. Um, uh, just so everybody also knows, Mina is Thai Dom and living in the Midwest. She's in Iowa. And I am Jewish, as she said. And I live, well, I'm from Los Angeles and I go between Los Angeles and the East Coast, like New York and New Jersey. So we are covering all parts of the country and different backgrounds. And so we're learning together and we'll learn with you as well. Um, okay, so this is this is one I came up with, and I was like, "This is a good one." What should the title on your business card actually say? Uh, Jack of all trades, m- master of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> You're a master of Amazon. Let's just go. Let's just step back there. <laughs> um, comparatively, maybe, but Amazon is a beast. I Massive. mean, there's no yeah, there's no there's no person out there. Besides, you know, what, what's his name? Um, Bezos. That yeah. No. Besides him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then do you, we've, you know, Beyonce, she has her alter ego, which is Sasha Fierce. So do you have an alter ego or a stage persona? I don't, but you know that one of the things that I thought was so cool and I take such pride in is that when iPhones first came out, my name, which is spelled M-I-N-N-A, would autocorrect to Ninja. Oh. That's pretty rad, right? Like, so I don't know if it still does that because you know how your own phone is now like smarter and they know what you're trying to type in. So... And then what's so funny is that my cousin, his name is Jimmy. Um, whenever I would type in his name, his would be hummus. It would autocorrect to hummus. <laughs> Ninja and hummus. Right. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So you're my ninja. Um, yes. All right. And then if you could go back in time and give yourself, your 23-year-old self or your 30-year-old self, one piece of advice before launching your business, what would it be? Um, it would be that everybody else is feeling what you're feeling. You know, I always felt like I was being lonely, but I mean, everybody else, you know, is feeling that same thing. And even when we became a mom, I felt like, man, this is really hard. And I didn't know that other moms struggled to be great moms too, you know? So I think that's one of the things I would say to myself, everybody feels what you're feeling and it's okay. 
That's Absolutely. what I would say. And I would personally like to thank Facebook because a few of us are jumping off that platform, but I think that there's this resurgence now into groups and Facebook pages and, you know, the product boss has a group. There are other groups that we will totally share with all of you that we're a part of. And that is how, again, we found each other through a podcast Facebook group that we both listen to. Just a shout out to Natalie Ekdahl of the Biz Chicks podcast, who's ultimately our matchmaker. So um, you might have to go and watch Fiddler on the Roof if you want to keep learning about uh, the Jewish culture and matchmakers. (laughs) 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 But she connected us there. And I mean, we found each other, which is probably the best thing that happened to me in 2017. and yeah, and that support group and feeling like you're not alone in any sort of, as you say, it's season or, you know, part of your life that you feel is maybe lacking that support structure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that last year, meeting you too was a game changer. You know, when you finally, um, be, when you're finally around people that totally get what you're trying to do, it's, it makes you feel like, Hey, I can actually be this person. I can actually do what I'm doing. And then you just, you know, you raise that bar just a little bit higher. So it's, it's awesome. And like I said, we talk business all the time and we've also bonded on the fact that, I mean, your husband's your partner in business. Mine is not, but there's just certain people that you talk to about certain things and we've got each other now to go over our big ideas. So maybe the next time that you and I boxer or talk on the phone, we'll just both lay down. (laughs) (laughs) It has to be mental alone time, mental alone time when you're laying down. (laughs) No kids. Um, So, yeah. So, I mean, I learned so much about you today, even more so. Um, Like I said, we talk all the time, but there are just some really cool things that you shared with us today. So thank you for being so open and honest. Um, So everyone, thank you again for joining the Product Boss podcast. We will be able to give you more and more knowledge, tips, tools, and tricks. We'll be able to bring some really amazing experts, but the only way we'll do that is if you subscribe to this podcast, if you leave a comment on iTunes, go to our Facebook page, give us a like, our Instagram, but really what we would love, love, love for you to do is support us on iTunes and subscribe, listen, share, and leave a comment because we'd love to hear from you. All right, product bosses, let's make it happen.